0: Hey guys, this is episode 8 of Perspectives on Fire, where each week we interview different people who do very interesting things in life. I'm your host, Ricky Sansky. My guest today is Mr. Josh Kalikman, who is the founder of Sports Rabbi and who is the head of the Maccabi Foundation. Josh, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Ricky. Great
0: to be here it's a pleasure having you here, especially like in Tel Aviv, this is the first recording in Tel Aviv, the last seven episodes were in Australia, mm-hmm. and pretty much I interviewed a bunch of like entrepreneurs in the startup ecosystem, and now here it's different because it's like, I want to like talk to people around like Israel, because Israel, like, it's a lot more interesting sorts of people you get here than right. down under. But you, have, put- you have
1: a very wide variety of individuals and groups of people in this country, that's for sure. So, you, won't have, you will have no lack of finding interesting people to speak to here.
0: Exactly. That's what I'm like just really excited about. So, how's your day been?
1: Thank God. Very good. How, who can complain giving a presentation about uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv, the history of Israel, combined together with a great history of uh, a great football club? It doesn't get any better than that. It's always a thrill to me to be able to speak to, to people and youngsters and, and young adults and adults, people in university, uh, to little children all the way up to Holocaust survivors that I've done presentations for. So it's always, it's always a great honor and a great privilege and it's a privilege for me to be here with you today. I was looking forward to this, Ricky.
0: Definitely same, likewise. And like so pretty much like some, let's get into the show. So tell the audience who you are and how you got to where you are today.
1: Josh Halichman, born in Montreal, 1974. Um, I went to Jewish day school my whole life, including uh, Jewish high school. After high school, 1991-92, I came to Israel for a year of study. I uh, went to a place, a yeshiva, a place uh, to learn, uh, I guess, a little bit about myself and also about, you know, Bible and uh, Jewish history. A place called BMT. It was nicknamed for best meal in town, though I lost 30 pounds when I was there. <laughs> it was definitely not the best meal in town. Uh, Beit Midrash LaTorah was for BMT. I actually met my future wife who was studying in the sister program called Mahon Gold. Um, we spent a year really hanging out together and also you know, going to classes and, and you know, discovering who we were and discovering our history to this great country and how we relate to that. I then went to Yeshiva University in New York City, majored in accounting. I graduated in nineteen ninety five. I worked in public accounting for three years. Then I went to one of my clients as the chief financial officer. Uh, we specialized in nonprofit organizations. Uh, when I was in public accounting, I was always very involved in a lot of different activities in college. Somehow, the classes kind of got in the way of everything else. But I was involved, in we have a massive book sale. Uh, I was uh, I won an award for the Joint Business Society and, and and working with them. I ran our business dinner for two years. I was interning at a place called Brooklyn Union Gas, which is like one of the energy companies in New York City. So it was really, uh, really amazing, um, you know, experience growing up, you know, growing up again in New York as a young adult. Got married in 1995, I lived in Riverdale, New York. Um, My wife originally is from Riverdale, New York as well we decided in 2004 to make aliyah because we wanted to do something a little bit, you know, exciting. <laughs> something a little bit different. We had a good life in the United States. No question we lived in uh, we had a, we owned a house in one of the great areas of New York City. Uh, we had two cars, we had two sons, uh, in-laws living pretty close by, my parents living in Montreal was an easy drive down. Brother in uh, medical school and then eventually he landed up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey near Philadelphia, a short drive away. Uh, but we, you know, as Zionists, as people that love the state of Israel, the people wanted to, you know, do a little bit more to see who we really were and really are. And I think there's a lot of analogies to being sports over there, is that sometimes you're sitting in the, the crowd, you're sitting in the audience, and you see what's going on in the field, and the world looks at Israel, you know, from that point of view. In Israel, you're actually on the field. You're on the pitch. You're on the... You're on the ice, you're on the baseball diamond, you're, you're part of creating history. It's amazing, Ricky, look at this country, it's a small, tiny dot on the map, right? Yeah. And every day it's almost on the front pages of every newspaper for some reason or another. It's always controversy coming out of this country and uh, we wanted to you know, move here. I think when I left, and when we left I had a chance to speak to people and I said, you know, I have three passions. Uh, my family, Israel, and sports. Those are my three passions in life. I said that to over a thousand people publicly when we gave a uh, farewell type of, uh, farewell or synagogue. I spoke from the pulpit, so did my wife. And when I came to Israel, we were immigrants in essence. Uh, moving to Israel was not easy, even being a Jew. Our Hebrew wasn't up, well, at least my Hebrew wasn't up to par. My wife's Hebrew was fine. Uh, but to learn Hebrew, I we grabbed the local sports section and I just sat there with an electronic dictionary and I started translating words. I watched the Israeli TV, Israeli sports shows, I got involved as much as I could. I had season tickets to uh, different sports teams here in Israel, including Maccabi Tel Aviv. And, you know, from there to start at the Sports Rabbi, I developed it there. I did a little bit of work part time for the Jerusalem Post Sports section. I started my own blog back in like you know mid-2000, 2006, 2007. Started with two partners, something called Israel Sports Radio. I'm trying to cover Israeli sports in English. And that's the whole idea of the sports rabbi, yeah. is to try to bring that closer to uh, cl- Israel, closer through sports to people. I want people to understand that Israel has a lot, but there's a lot more than just Netanyahu, uh, PLO, PA, this, that, blue, white, red, green, yellow, there's a lot more than that, and sports plays a massive uh, massive part in the culture of this country, and I fell in love with it the minute I got here, and as being a, I'm a veteran of over over 2,500 different live sporting events. Um, it's quite amazing, I go to games all the time. I love it, I love the competition, I love the atmosphere. Nothing beats standing up at a game and singing Hatikva. When you're able to sing the Israeli national anthem, it's with ten thousand people, eleven thousand people. It's something spectacular. Um, it's getting to know people, Israeli athletes, and people around the whole sports scene. It's and here I am, uh, here I am today, and it really you know helped me get to Maccabi Tel Aviv and uh, where I am today. I came in just as a uh, working on the English website. But once uh, once they knew who I was, that I. Had been a CFO of a company. I was in Israel. I also worked with a tour company for six years as the CEO and CFO. Um, and then, you know, went over to Maccabi, asked me to form this nonprofit organization to help work with the community. And knowing that I had so much experience in that type of field and in the field of sports made me a, a great candidate also to lead the organization. And hence, we started that back in May of 2016. And uh, we've made tremendous strides helping in not only Israeli society, Tel Aviv, but also uh, the world as a whole. Just by sitting here today, obviously, the, it has a certain amount of reach, so, so that's, that's my story in a nutshell so far, and the, the chapters are still waiting to be written.
0: Exactly, because um, with life, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And it's like, if, like how you go through different phases of, like different life experiences. But like um with um sports rabbi, I like um what's the story behind of like how you started it we touched on it briefly and was there something like similar to that before like journalism for sports in English?
1: So you had the only options really were Jerusalem Post sports section which had a couple of articles a lot of wire stories that would come off of Reuters or AP mm-hmm. and there'd be a few articles in you know in English about what was going on yeah. um, you know for the, the average tourist or the average person that lives here that can't speak Hebrew. In Hebrew, though, there are a tremendous amount of websites, newspapers, I mean, sports sections, just like in any country, um, be it in Italy, you have three different sports dailies. Could you imagine? sports dailies. Just about sports, Not, not about regular stuff, just sports, three of them. And they're talking about 30, 40, 50-page newspapers. Uh, websites. There's so many websites here in you know, one, Walla. Ynet, uh, Sport5, and there's always places to get information, but in English, there really wasn't any place to get the up-to-date information. Like, I want to go on, you know, a couple times a day on the web, and I want to see what's going on. I want to know the latest, you know, sports competitions that are going on. And, you know, the Jerusalem Post, which is good, just gave you a a glimpse of what there really is out there. And once I really got involved in learning the language, learning the culture, and speaking to the people, going to games in and out, I thought that I could do something a little bit more. So I took the name sports rabbi, which is actually, I have to credit to Rabbi Avi Weiss in Riverdale, the synagogue, Hebrew Institute of Riverdale, about 20 years ago. It's actually a great story. How did I get that name? Everybody asked They asked me, are you a real rabbi? So I'm not a real rabbi. I am a cantor and I am a scribe I'm so far I do have degrees. Um, as a rabbi, my wife is probably closer to, uh, to the rabbinate than I am as an actual rabbi. Okay. Uh, but what happened was Rabbi Avi Weiss was starting a yeshiva a a seminary for men to give out uh, rabbinical ordination and he was on a fundraising trip to Florida and he was going to meet Malcolm Glazer you know who Malcolm Glazer is? yeah he was the owner of Manchester United who passed away. Yeah. Before Manchester United, he actually owned a football team called... The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Very good. Ricky's, Ricky's NFL uh, expertise is coming into play. Here. I love it. I love NFL. So I get a phone call on a Saturday night from Rabbi Weiss. It says, Josh... And Rabbi Weiss himself is a huge sports fan. Knows nothing about the NFL. Big baseball <laughs> fan. Huge Yankees fan. Josh, you got to tell me about everything you know about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So... I tell him, well, this is at the time. Have you ever heard of the name Dan Marino? Yes, Dan Marino. Dan Marino, he played for the Miami Dolphins. There was rumors he was going to come out of retirement to come play for a season with Tampa Bay to to, uh, coach a young rookie, to be a veteran quarterback to a rookie by the name of Sean King, who actually is a uh, a media person these days. Uh, Never came to fruition. I gave him the names. I told him the story. I said, it's just like the rabbi-student relationship. Anyways, Rabbi Weiss gets there. He talks to Malcolm Glazer, all about the Buccaneers. Malcolm Glazer pulls him into a side room after and says, Rabbi, you're the first rabbi I've ever met that knew anything about Tampa Bay Buccaneers. (laughs) He presented him with the owner's hat. They had a special owner's Tampa Bay hat, which I'm still looking for. Apparently I was supposed to get it, but I never got it. And uh, the rest was history from there. There was a relationship that was made. And Rabbi Weiss, how did I know about the story? Because the next week from the pulpit on Saturday morning, Shabbat morning, he decided to tell this whole story to everybody and he says, I called, who did I call? I called the sports rabbi Josh Alecman. And that was the name. And for many years, I hated the name. For many years, I I was very opposed to the name because I felt people are going to remember me as a sports rabbi. What did I put on my tombstone? Sports rabbi? What's a sports rabbi? But once I got to Israel, I decided to take the name and I changed my whole outlook on it. And I got involved in sports, created a blog, created this website. And created this persona around, you know, sports rabbi Josh Alekman. So people know me as the, the person that knows about Israeli sports on Twitter, at the sports rabbi. Um, my website, sportsrabbi.com. I have my podcasts. I have, you know, all kinds of different stuff. And it just focuses on Israeli sports, cool stuff. I mean, just this week, there's a great radio show in, in New York called JM in the AM with uh, Nahum Siegel. And I hooked him up with a basketball player here by the name of Robert Rothbard. So he started to show, ah, oh, our good friend Josh Aleckman, the sports rabbi. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that's how the sports rabbi got its start. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. Even when I walk into the offices of Maccabi, Tel Aviv, a couple of guys start singing these songs. Like they start singing these Hebrew songs about uh, you know, me being the sports rabbi and... <laughs> it's pretty cool it's pretty neat I uh, actually you know now love the name and I, I love what we do and you know if you look at my press pass you know it says sports Rabbi on the press pass I mean uh, actually I don't think this press pass that I have on me right now does, but it's a sports rabbi but it's pretty cool I mean here I am as an immigrant to this country thirteen almost thirteen years that I'm here, and uh, created this persona which you know really was a hobby and now has become you know much more than that and it it's all for, you know, Zionism reasons to help promote Israel in a positive light. If I can touch somebody that would never be touched, to know a little bit about Israel and positively and think about what Maccabi Tel Aviv is, what sports is to this country, that's you know, then I've done my job at the end of the day. Oh.
0: With the rabbi, with the rabbi, um, how did he meet the rabbi, how did he meet Dan Malcolm Glazer?
1: I guess they hook. You know, people are always looking for fundraising, right? You know, you're always looking for a million dollars here and a million dollars there to begin. I mean, right now the, the yeshiva is called Yeshiva Chovei yeah. Torah, yeah. and it was built over the last I don't know 15, 16 years. It's a it's an institution. It's a large institution in New York right now. And it's creating. It's helping create rabbis that um, that understand what today's day and age is and how to deal with issues and communities and and people and, uh, you know, Malcolm Glazer was, I guess he was, somebody hooked him up with him and said, you know, this might be a program that Malcolm Glazer going to be interested in and uh, obviously it worked out well for not only him but for me too because I ended up with the name of Sports Rabbi. <laughs> so I guess Malcolm Glazer has a little bit of, a uh, little bit in the effect if he ever looks down from the heavens. He had, a, he had a part in the Sports Rabbi. It's pretty cool. I never thought about that but that's pretty neat.
0: Oh yeah, that's crazy. Like hearing, like, seeing all these NFL owners on, on, like, playing Madden as, like, and, like, playing as a franchise, and you see, like, actually, you know someone who's actually, knows someone who's, like, knows Malcolm Glazer as well.
1: You know, you know there's also, in the NFL, there are a number of Jewish owners, from the uh, Will family, the Minnesota Vikings, to Robert Kraft, of course, who are a very successful New England Patriots team. Even though I am a Jets fan, they've been successful. Um, to uh, to Washington Redskins dance night. I mean, there's you know there are a lot of Jewish owners out there, so um, they there's a lot of good there's a lot of good that sports does and a lot of good that sports has been involved in Jewish life.
0: Fair enough. Um, because um with
1: um so with
0: Maccabi Tel Aviv, like how did they um how did they like notice you and like decide to give you a position to come run the charity organization? So, so
1: that's a great question. So. Because I was involved in the sports rabbi, I used to go to many games. One of the big misnomers in this country is, is everybody says, all the sports <coughs> are played on Shabbat. Well, that's not true. In 1991 and 92, when I was here for my year, yeshiva, all the rabbis said, oh, sports are only played on Shabbat. You know, I found out, somebody that goes to about 130 different sporting events a year, not all played on Shabbat, apparently, okay. because I'm Shomar Shabbat, I, I keep the Sabbath, so I... I'm going to games, obviously not on that day, and there are plenty of them. So I used to go to games night here, night there. It was a chance to get out. I'd sit in the press box. I'd cover it for my website. Yeah. Um, I'd be A lot of times I'd be active on Twitter while I'm at the games, and you get to know a lot of people. You get to know the press officers. You get to know the other media people. But one day, it was a Friday. I was in my office on a Friday in, in Jerusalem, and I get a phone call from... Uh, a uh, young guy by the name of Leor Timor and he says, Josh, uh, I work at Maccabi Tel Aviv now. Uh, he was the he was the beat writer for Maccabi Tel Aviv for the website called one o N E So I knew him for years just because we see each other all the time and he's I'm um, uh, working with the new media department and I'm the head of the website. We want to bring you in to redo the whole English website because ownership from Maccabi Tel Aviv is based in Canada. Mitch Goldhart is the owner and it's a very European uh, westernized team. Uh, it's a westernized club. It's a lot of people that, you know, that aren't Israeli that do work at the club. Uh, sports director Jordi Cruyff, of course, Johan Cruyff's son is uh, the sports director. Yeah and many different people and it's very important on that worldly level to try to get my Tel Aviv out there and they wanted to redo the website and hence they asked me, you know, would you be interested in coming just to do the English stuff? So I said, listen, I can't, you know, I can't uh, live just on that but uh, I'd love to do it because it's sounds pretty cool and I wasn't sure you know time-wise, will I have enough time? Can I do it? It's a lot of pressure. It's working for a professional franchise, professional sports franchise and my wife looked at me and says, are you a fool? This is, you've been dreaming of this opportunity to work for a sports franchise. Just take it, everything will work out. So that's what I did. Now a few months later, the people at Maccabi, you see, they knew me just as a sports rabbi. They didn't know that I also had this alter ego that I'd work as a CFO and I've done a lot of charity work. And I, my wife and I have a nonprofit organization based here and in the United States it's called Torah to Revaluer Shalayim that gives uh, the opportunity to people that are nursing homes, senior residents, senior centers, m- mothers with infants, the chance to learn about a Bible study class that we come to them. Yeah. We provide them with the study class, uh, a lot of online learning as well. And once they got to know me a little bit more, they said like, wow, this guy can maybe, you know, do something that we wanted to do a long time, which was to open up a, an official type of organization that works with the community that works with not only the community in Tel Aviv, beyond Tel Aviv, throughout Israel, and then on an international level to really raise the stakes. Like for example, Barcelona, they have a foundation that does these type of things. Manchester United, every team in the, every team in the Premier League has somebody or an organization that runs in uh, Rangers. The CEO of Maccabi Tel Aviv at the time, Martin Bain, came from Glasgow Rangers. Uh, Rangers is an extremely strong charity and involvement of fans and a culture of, uh, of community, and it's something that we wanted to start here at Maccabi. They asked me, do you think you can write the business plan for this? I was like, yeah, sure, no problem, and uh, one thing led to another, and I get a phone call in March from uh, the uh, uh, commercial director it says, Josh, congratulations, we want to bring you on board, March 2016, and then I started working full-time in May, and we launched the foundation at the end of May. And really this year has been a first year to, you know, to see where we are, make a lot of connections, do a lot of programming, try to spread our wings and to see what type of programs are really needed and where we can make the biggest impact. And that's, and that's the idea right now is to, do, is to do as much good as possible and to get people on board to do different uh, projects with us. We've had a number of you know, successful projects and relationships that have been developed just over the last six months.
0: Right. So, did you, work, did you have any involvement with any sports franchises back in the U.S.?
1: No. So, you know, that would just be, a, again, it's a dream, right? I mean, to work for the New York Yankees, you're living in a city of how many millions of people? Like at least... 15 million, 20 million, you know, a tri-state area, how many millions of people are there? Probably and,
0: like tens, tens of millions.
1: Right. And how many fans would love to work for one of these sports franchises? everyone. Right. Anybody, and the fact that you know, uh, you know, it's just a difficult, difficult place to break in. Very difficult place to break in. It's an industry that's not easy. You have to would have had to theoretically go to school for that back in the United States. Here, I'm teaching. I'm teaching. I taught myself. In essence, I didn't have to go to a broadcasting school. I mean, even now I'm doing a you know, little bit of play-by-play of some basketball games and. Getting some play-by-play work under my belt, um, writing up game reports, live tweeting from events, yeah. um, going to you know different you know charitable events that we do programs and, and to see how everything comes together was one organization. I, I don't think I would have ever had that opportunity in the states. It's, it would have been as as a young Jewish boy something difficult, but it was something that Israel did offer me, and they was something that. I was able to do here that I don't think I would would have been able to do maybe anywhere else in the world, at least as a somebody that's coming from a very you know traditional background, somebody that's orthodox, uh, may have been a little bit more difficult also because there's you know there's certain demands that I obviously teams play on Saturday, and that's definitely in you know on Friday night or Shabbat, and you know that's something that I'm not you know not gonna be prepared to do. And now in Israel there are there are, even though I mentioned before that there are plenty of games that aren't on Shabbat. There are certain games that are on Shabbat or right after Shabbat, and you know have to work around it. But there is a certain understanding because there are people you know, that understand that this is a you know it is. A, I wouldn't say the majority of people in this country definitely not, but there's a large minority of people that are Orthodox and that keep certain traditional values that uh, that you can fit in. And I was able to have that. You know, I was really you know pleased and honored to be able to have that opportunity here. So I. I think that really in the United States it, there's so many more people out there if you have to go to school specifically for those things. It would have been so hard. And I'm not saying I took an easy way out to become an accountant and uh, be successful. I was thank God very successful. But you know, at the end of the day the most important thing is to put food on your table and roof over your head. And uh, if you can do what you love also, and that's great. Everybody should be striving for that but you know you have to survive first and uh, hopefully the other things come later on, which for me, you know, as a 42 year old right now, uh, thank God. It's a very satisfying and uh, a very honorable and, and I'm honored to be able to do these things. It's, it's pretty cool. Oh.
0: That's some, um, because I love hearing from people like doing stuff they love. So I read a book called Unwritten. It's only like pretty much you only can get in Australia. And the author Jack DeLosa, he said that, like, in order to have a life fully fulfilled, it's to, like, align your life, align your, like, whole life to your life's best work. And that's where, like, true fulfillment is, no matter, like, what it is or how crazy it is. But before we get to the end questions, um, what challenges um, do you um do you face on a daily basis at Sports Rabbi and Maccabi Tel Aviv?
1: So, I think that's a great question, because I think what I've learned in Maccabi Tel Aviv, there is like two different organizations in essence. There's Maccabi Tel Aviv the team, the club that has to produce on the field. Yeah. They don't win, it affects everything. And then there's the company. Maccabi Tel Aviv that is everything else. Yeah. There's, you know, the CEOs, the CFOs, the whole the whole organization that runs merchandise and marketing. How do you get the fans? But everything really hinges on the team's performance. Because people, at the end of the day, people like a winner. People want to be associated with a winning franchise. People want to be associated with a a professional franchise. People want to be associated with a a place that they can feel a connection to. And I think that's where the foundation comes in that we're trying to bring. We're trying to bring that even more out. So, in essence, you really have three different entities. You have the team itself, the players, and the sports director, and the guys that that have to play, that create this fandom then you have the office that is working on we have stores we have merchandise we have you know everything around that and it's selling tickets and it's it's uh, helping with our corporate corporate sponsors and and uh, other different sponsors and it's just the whole and it's the game day experience around the game it's everything getting people to the stadium early it's making people feel a connection to the team and, you know, trying to make Maccabi Tel Aviv more than a club. So now with the addition of the foundation, the, the charitable organization, that's taking it also to another level. So to get everything to work in sync is a challenge. Right. It's extremely, extremely challenging because everybody has their needs and everybody have their has their wants. So the, the needs and the wants have to come together at some point to help out for the better of everything and everybody and that's hard there's no question because you know of course the sports director has to put his players their focus has to be on football has to be on soccer has to be on the field now I of course want to have a player come and do a class with a group of children or I want to have a player come and visit uh, Special Olympics, one of our partners to to work with some of our Special Olympians that have intellectual disabilities, or I want to bring uh, I want to bring a player to help deliver food with me to Holocaust survivors because it's an amazing, it's something amazing to be able to do with the players. but of course the the team itself has a the responsibility they're responsible for putting a winning product, and their ultimate focus has to be on playing. Um, then on the corporate side. There's responsibilities and needs. Well, we have X amount of stores, and we have to meet certain, you know, certain levels, and we have to do this, and we have to do that, and we want to reach certain areas of the country. So to have all those work in unison is the biggest challenge. I think that uh, that we all face. Uh, it's it's you know sometimes it's a difficult challenge, sometimes it's a fun challenge. But the most amazing thing is when things actually work and come together. Yeah. It's amazing now I'll give you a perfect example we just did a huge coat drive uh, for the past month of January now there were so many different elements and people into organizing this coat drive from getting uh, containers in our stores having people pick up the coats and sweatshirts and sweaters in the stores on game day have those things there making sure that it gets to a storage place after the game me making sure that it has to be either picked up or delivered to the nonprofit organization that we're working with in addition that it gets to the people that are in need. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that our, our merchandise department decided anybody that was going to ha- hand in a coat as a donation, they'd get a coupon for 50% off our winter collection, mm-hmm. which is amazing in itself. I was standing by one of our, our portable our stores outside of the, the stadium. And literally somebody saw what was going on and he says, oh, he says, I can get 50% off. I took literally took off his jacket, handed it to me, got, <laughs> right, was, this is like, he looked, he says, I really like that jacket and then got 50% off the jacket. So it's win-win. It, it was a win-win. But then we also had a ceremony on the field. It's making sure the players were also involved. The players donated as well. Making sure that the players are involved in, in promoting the campaign then it's also writing up the article afterwards to put on the website making sure that our media does videos or uh, or pictures and or pictures to make sure we have that on our other social media be it Instagram, Facebook and uh, and Twitter. So to see everything work in unison is like amazing when it works. It's it's really amazing and I think that we have a lot of experts in their field that allows it to work. But again, it's... It's a challenge to get there sometimes because everybody has their wants and their needs, yeah. and I think that is definitely, without a doubt, the biggest challenge that uh, you know is faced on a day to day basis. But when the results work, you know, there's nothing better than that. It's it's amazing. It's just amazing. It, everybody feels so accomplished. So I think that definitely would be the biggest challenge. <laughs> just
0: sounds like definitely like sounds like it. So three questions to wrap it up. So, if you if you had to recommend a book to read to a friend, what would it be and why?
1: It's a good question, and I don't really have an answer for that. Um, I read a lot of books. Uh, I love, I love biographies. So I would really recommend or biographies and autobiographies. Pre- preferably autobiographies. I like it when I get to read what the people actually write yeah. about their history. And so there wouldn't be a specific book that I would recommend, but I would recommend trying to pick up autobiographies of people, of interesting people that you may find interesting. It could be Zlatan's autobiography that yeah. I mentioned today. It could be Alex Ferguson's autobiography, it could be Roy Keane, it could be, uh, um, it could be President Clinton, former President Clinton. It could be anybody, it could be uh, Shimon Peres uh, who passed away this past year it could be a number it could be somebody in the not even in the world of sports somebody in the world of music but to see how they tick and then to try to glean ideas and thoughts and be inspired by those people to see what they've done to be successful in life and then to try to pull different pieces i mean if you look at my you look at my bookshelf at home 99% of the books are autobiographies about about different types of people, I have like a few of them from Alex Ferguson. Again, I mentioned Roy Keane. Uh, it could be uh, Al Berkovich, one of the former great Israeli stars. It could be a, an Israeli star by the name of Chaim Revivo, who went out to play in uh, in Spain, was very successful, had a very successful career there. It could be Shlomo Sharf, who was once the national team coach of Israel and also coached many other teams. was learning about who these people are, what makes them tick, what's going on. I, I do a lot of interviews myself with a lot of athletes just to see what why are they here in Israel why does an athlete come to Israel why does why are they here what what's the reasoning is it you know is it because it's good weather is it because there's a good food
0: or the girls are hot
1: you could say that <laughs> you know there's there's reasons why there's all kinds of reasons why players come here and. You know, I love speaking to them, just sitting down, doing an interview and, and trying to get an understanding of who these people are, why are they here, just like you're doing the same thing. What makes these people tick? And from there I try to glean just something, even if it's one thing, one little highlight that I may take to my next, uh, my next you know, thing that I'm doing, the next project, the next time I'm speaking. I think that so that's as a recommendation. That's what I recommend. Is I, I love autobiographies. I, I, that's what I I enjoy reading the most. Uh, Louis Van Hall, of course, one of the the great Dutch coaches. Uh, I know my brother has about five or six of them that I ordered on Amazon, sitting in his house right now. So I'm waiting to get those. And I still have probably about a dozen books on my bookshelf that I haven't read yet. But I, I love that. I love s- stories. I love you know hearing their stories, hearing what they experienced and. I think that, you know, that to me is, uh, you know, that's my recommendation on the next book you read. So I won't recommend a single book, but I'd say go for the autobiography section and pick something up. I mean, I I was in a bookstore a couple days ago in Haifa, before Maccabi Tel Aviv played Maccabi Haifa, and I went straight to the autobiography section. I asked, is there anything new, anything in sports, anything? And uh, that's what I have to say about that. But pick up an autobiography. I think you'll, you know, you'll learn a lot. Some better than, some better, some are better than others, but uh, it's pretty cool. I don't know.
0: Like, um, Also, well, what, what, if you had to make a phone call to your 18-year-old self, what advice would you give him? why?
1: Just continue on the path. Everything will work out. Um, everything will, you know, just continue on the path that you're going. Sometimes you don't know why you're going on a certain path. Sometimes people have the, the biggest plans, you know. There are so many people that my wife and I know or knew that always said, yeah, we're going to move to Israel one day, we're going to move to Israel one day, you know, we're big Zionists, we're going to move, we're going to move, and they're living very good lives in the United States. Um, and it's nothing to, and not taking anything away. Then there's somebody I know that said he had an 18-year plan, and you know what? Three years ago, he made Ali off to that 18-year plan. It's pretty impressive that he's yeah. able to do it. Um, you know, for us, we just stayed the course. I know, I think we always had it in the back of our mind, just something like Aliyah. Um, like, I wouldn't call up my 18-year-old self and say, okay, after you're in Israel, stay there, go to the army, make Aliyah, go to university, uh, and continue on your course. I don't. You know, I, that, I wouldn't call myself up now and say that. I would just say, stay the course that you're on, you know, try to follow the advice of, of people that you trust. It could be parents, it could be, you know, People or people that you, you inspire are inspired by or admire, but stay the course and see where things lead you to. Like, again, we didn't, I wouldn't say it wasn't in the cards, we never really talked about it. We were very big supporters, we always, it hurt us when things bad things would happen in Israel. It hurt it, you know, it hurt us, and we, you know, we decided, but we were also able to do it. We didn't, we looked at where we were on a family level. We looked at our, where we were on a financial level, and we decided to, to roll the dice. Um, you know, I used to always say, I'm very conservative. And my father said, how can you say you're conservative if you move to Israel? It's like the most illogical thing one can ever do. Yeah. Uh, theoretically, right? Yeah. It would be crazy coming here walking into a war zone sometimes, I mean, it's really cool, I mean, but, you know, there's from us lobbing missiles over, you know, I mean, like, what, 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 why would you want to come here, illogically, there's no logical sense, but, you know, we, uh, this is the place that we felt we had to be, and, you know, again, we weren't these Rara, Bnei kiva we're making all today, we just, just happened, so I would say, you know, because that's really the biggest decision that I think we had ever made as a as a couple, just stay the course and see where things, you know, do do your hobbies, take your hobbies and, and you know, spend time with them and see where it leads you. So you know, I'm forty-two years old right now, so that was uh, how many years ago? A long time ago right? already. <laughs> <consolation. laughs> it's a long twenty-four years ago, but you know, I, I you, know, you know everybody says it's very it's very cliche to say I wouldn't do anything differently. But uh, I don't think I'd do anything differently. I mean, I just would say I would take a pick on the phone and say just stay the course.
0: Fair enough. That's fair enough. Like um, this is my favorite question I ask every single person. How do you define success?
1: Happiness. 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 I think uh, happiness is success, but it's not only making you you yourself happy, but putting a smile on others. Than making other people happy and sometimes maybe I, I concern myself more of that than putting a happy smile on my own face <laughs> but I think that that happiness defines success when you see somebody smiling and you know you, you know you've done something well and it could be from a good situation for seeing like a great player score a goal mm-hmm. or it could be from just visiting visiting somebody that has been through a rough time you know as part of Part of what we do at Maccabi Tel Aviv, part of the foundation. A couple days ago, I spent the day in the north visiting fans that are in situations that know uh, uh-huh. rough situations. Children whose parents passed away at a very young age. Children that are in uh, you know very horrible situations, health wise. Uh, but you know, if you can, if I can walk in there with a a Maccabi Tel Aviv knapsack and I'm wearing my Maccabi Tel Aviv gear and I, I give them a Maccabi Tel Aviv hat or a scarf and, you know, I see this big smile on their face. You know you've done something good. And I think, you know, any player that goes to a hospital or any player that does these things that we mentioned earlier, if it's visiting, uh, visiting a Holocaust survivor to just helping out the average Joe, it puts a smile on their face. It's an, it's an amazing feeling to see the reaction, to, see, to know that you've done something uh, makes you happy, but it also makes the other person happy, so success would be defined as happiness, I'd That's say
0: very well said, All right? thank you so much Josh for your time, really my enjoyed pleasure. this interview, um, same there I look forward to hearing more about you when come um, in class All right. over the next <laughs> weeks, few weeks here
1: my pleasure, happy to have